This is Hashtag History episode 98. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. Whoa. 98. 98. Degrees. Oof. 98 degrees. It's almost 98 degrees today, actually. I mean, (laughs) Sacramento weather, right? (laughs) Might as well be, yeah. Might as well be. So remember how a few weeks ago... We covered hidden presidential illnesses, of course. Of course. You remember that? It, yes. We have busy lives, but, you know. I do that- remember the episodes from, like, literally two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I actually edited it, like, a week ago. If you ask me about an episode that we did, like, anywhere beyond, like, the six-month mark, no. I'm no. Like, no, we didn't cover that. No. Not- wrong podcast. <laughs> that wasn't us. Yeah. Well, I-, I mentioned in that episode about hidden presidential illnesses that a huge reason why I was so excited to cover that topic was because early America presidential history was one of my first history loves. Yeah. Uh, It was weird. (laughs) I may be weird, but it was one of the major things that made me fall in love with studying history in the first place many, many moons ago. That episode really brought me back to this early America time period that I love learning about so much. And it reminded me of an early-ish America topic that I have been wanting to talk about for ages. Yeah. We are headed back to 1856 this week in the years leading up to the American Civil War. Mm -hmm. And we're taking it straight to the heart of American democracy as we are headed to an infamous and rather traumatic incident that occurred in the United States Senate chamber. Mm -hmm. We are talking today about that one time when there was such a huge disagreement in the Senate that a representative of the House quite literally beat a senator nearly to death on the Senate floor. This week, we will be discussing the caning of Charles Sumner, also oftentimes referred to as the Brooks-Sumner Affair. On May 22, 1856, during a debate in the Senate chamber regarding slavery, representative of South Carolina Preston Brooks, who was a huge supporter of slavery. Obviously, yeah. He's from South Carolina. (laughs) Picked up a cane and beat Senator from Massachusetts, Charles Sumner, nearly to death on the Senate floor. In fact, Sumner was beaten so severely that the walking cane that was used to club him would end up shattering. Sumner would not return to the Senate for three years as he recovered from his injuries. Jeez. I think we oftentimes look back at history from hundreds of years ago and we think back on it as archaic or barbaric and like, you know, we've progressed so much and are so civilized now. But even in 1856, the public beating of a senator on the Senate floor was absolutely mind blowing Mm -hmm. and is symbolic of the civil tension regarding slavery during the pre-Civil War period. Yeah. I cannot wait to dive into this jaw-dropping incident that occurred during what is one of my favorite time periods of history to study. But before we do that, let's dive into a drink that I am beyond ecstatic about. Yes. Here we go. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And this is Hashtag History. The podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike. Where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. All right. Thank you to Civics and Coffee or at Civics Pod on Instagram, who bought us two cocktails and said, (laughs) 
quote, Merry Holidays. <laughs> Thanks for all your great work. And that just shows you how backlogged we are yeah. on these sponsors, these cocktail sponsors, but how grateful we are oh for my- that. They actually submitted this around the holidays. Yes. And it's now... April. April. Oh my God. That, you know, we talked about this a little bit in last week's episode too, just how thankful and grateful we are for all these cocktails and, and how we've been like fully cocktails for these cocktail sponsors and mm-hmm. how fully <laughs> we are thankful, we for, are the so thankful for the cocktails, <laughs> how we've been fully funded for them for nearly a year now, which is just kind of mind blowing. Yeah. And so to, yeah, this brings it back to what we were just saying in last week's episode. The fact that we're just now four months later getting to a sponsor that's just, like really moving to me. Yeah. So thank you so much, Civics and Coffee. Great podcast. Everyone should go check it out. Yeah. And thank you for, again, for your generous donation. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> to our research. Yeah. <clears throat> Today, I wanted to bring some levity and humor to a story that's not, I mean, I know we all look at it from nowadays and like can laugh at it. Like, I'm pretty sure I heard about this story sure on Drunk did history oh, okay yeah which like okay they made it funny of course yeah but um obviously it wasn't so funny to the guy who took three years to recover right so i wanted to bring some like levity to the Love situation okay it. um so i'm putting on my dad pants and i'm doing a cocktail based on a pun okay this is great today we are drinking the sugar cane <laughs> mojito <laughs> that's pretty great <laughs> is that a pun yeah okay yeah that's a pun for sure. Okay. For sure. Right. Uh-huh. So, um, just like a regular mojito, this sugarcane mojito contains light rum, mint, lime juice, and soda water. I did a lot of research onto <laughs> this because I it, it calls for sugarcane. Yeah. But, like, all sugar is sugarcane. Uh-huh. So, I we did use um, simple syrup, which it does explicitly say on the bottle, is, like, from cane sugar. So, anyways, you can make it with just regular sugar because sugar is... Cane sugar. Sugar is sugar. So sugar. Cane sugar. Cane sugar. Okay. <laughs> I have no doubt that we're going to love it because it's a mojito, which I think is one of both of our favorite drinks. It is 100% one of my favorite yeah. drinks. I would put it at probably number two. Right behind under the margarita, the I think. Margarita. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, cheers. Cheers. It's gorgeous. It is. Just wait for the are. photo, guys. Damn, damn, damn. Before you ask, this is a 10. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And it's a 10. Is that when you know the cocktail is really good is when we have nothing to say? I, I mean, what is there to say? There's nothing to say. If you've had a mojito, you, you understand. You understand. You know it's a 10 out of 10. Yeah. It's refreshing. It's light. It's minty. It's limey. It's in a gorgeous tall mojito glass. What more can be said? Nothing. Okay. Yum. Yum. <laughs> Moving on. Mm-hmm. So as always with every episode, we have to really dig into the context around this event and what was leading up to it. We're taking it back to our History 300 course today. And that's what I thought you were going to say when you said, I'm pretty sure I've heard about this on Drunk History. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to say, I'm pretty sure I learned about this in school. I think you probably did. I probably did. I think most people have. Yeah. The year that this incident occurred, 1856, was a particularly tense time in American history. Not long before this, in 1854, the Kansas-Nebraska Act had been adopted, and this would become one of the most controversial acts in American history that, amongst, of course, a number of other things, directly led to the start of the Civil War. Mm -hmm. In 1803, the United States acquired from France the territory of Louisiana via the Louisiana Purchase. 
is this flashing you back to like yep. high school? <laughs> yep. <laughs> to give you an idea of how much land was obtained here, this Louisiana territory makes up either in whole or in part what is today the states of Arkansas, Colorado, Iowa, Montana, Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Minnesota, Louisiana, New Mexico, Texas, North and South Dakota, Wyoming, and even parts of Canada. So really, we just purchased all of our country. Yeah, virtually. This was the purchase of the United States of America. <laughs> yes. This, in reality, this purchase nearly doubled the size of the United States. Yeah. Now, of course, the Native Americans living on this land were not consulted with. Why would they be? Yeah. You know? No. Yeah. I mean, that was sarcasm, people. Of course. Do do you know American history? Check mark yes or no. <laughs> uh, so they, of course, they were not consulted with before this purchase was made. And over the course of the next few decades would essentially, for the most part, be forced off this land. And of course, of course, enslaved black men, women, and children were obviously not consulted. Mm -hmm. This area that was acquired under the Louisiana Purchase was already and or quickly became populated by both enslaved black people and free black people. This made this territory particularly difficult to govern. This giant territory was eventually broken up into smaller sections or states, and each of these states established slavery laws for whether slavery was permitted within its borders or not. Yeah. The southern states wanted slavery to extend beyond its regions and out to the western states, while the northern states wanted all states admitted to the Union thereafter to be admitted as free states. Mm-hmm. As a temporary compromise, the U.S. Congress passed the Missouri Compromise of 1820, which did two things. One, it admitted Maine as a free state and Missouri as a slave state, evening out the number of free to slave states. And two, it prohibited the expansion of slavery anywhere above the 3630 parallel of the Louisiana Purchase. As you, of course, can imagine, though, this was a very, very temporary solution because it doesn't really account for all future state admissions for the next few years they continue to admit free state then slave state then free state then slave state but when our home california represent what, what? <laughs> became an official state in 1850 it was admitted as a free state shaking the balance of free versus slave states mm -hmm. Later that year, the Compromise of 1850 would be passed by Congress that said California could be admitted as a free state, and it also allowed for the territories acquired via the Mexican-American War, which were Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, and Utah, mm -hmm. to each decide for themselves whether they would permit slavery within their respective territories. And honestly, like... That I understand they're trying to like find a balance here, but mm -hmm. like that makes sense to me is mm -hmm. that the states should decide. Yeah. Yeah, no, the states should decide, but the southern states definitely wanted to dominate economically. Yeah. And so they wanted to further the expansion of slavery throughout the United States. Come 1854, and the United States was working to organize the Nebraska Territory, which would eventually become Kansas, Montana, Nebraska, and North and South Dakota. Part of the organization of this territory obviously also included deciding which states would and would not permit slavery. In response to this, Illinois Senator Stephen Douglas proposed a bill known as the Kansas-Nebraska Act. This act proposed the idea of slavery being extended into territories where it had previously been banned via the 1820 Missouri Compromise. And like I mentioned not too long ago, the Kansas-Nebraska Act would become one of the most controversial bills in American history. When revised, this bill pushed the idea of popular sovereignty, which essentially means that each state 
rather than Congress, could decide for themselves whether they permitted slavery within their borders or not, regardless of the boundaries that had been established under the Missouri Compromise. Mm -hmm. Douglas knew that this was going to be controversial. In fact, he's quoted as saying he would include these provisions in the bill, quote, though I know it will raise a hell of a storm, unquote. Yeah, Douglas. Despite the fierce debate and opposition that there was to this bill, particularly in the House, the Senate would end up voting to pass it 37 to 14, and it would officially become law on May 30th, 1854. The Kansas-Nebraska Act would repeal the Missouri Compromise, allowing for popular sovereignty. Because Nebraska was so further north, it was pretty clear from the get-go that that state would be a free state. But Kansas borders Missouri, which was a slave state. What this meant for Kansas was absolute destructive chaos for years. The next seven years here would be considered bleeding Kansas. That's what it was called, as violence and riots broke out all across the state between pro- and anti-slavery proponents from 1855 to 1859. A total of 55 people would die as a result of this violence. I hadn't heard about this yeah. aspect of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I guess I don't really have anything more to say other than that. It just sucks that Kansas is quite literally in the middle. Yeah. That, you know, their government hasn't determined for them what they're doing yet. And there's mm-hmm. these pro and anti-slavery pro- proponents actively live fighting out uh, the results of their state. Yeah. The Kansas-Nebraska Act really changed history. It led to bleeding Kansas, it led to a split of the Whig Party and the creation of the anti-slavery Republican Party, and it led to the ultimate buildup to the Civil War. Hey everyone, we are so excited to share with you about Macy's Wine Shop. Yes, it is that Macy's. Macy's has launched their very own wine shop, which includes full-size, delicious wines curated by their experts coming from renowned wine regions, which include our home state of California and beyond. You can select exactly what type of wine you are looking for. Do you love reds? Do you love whites? Maybe a little bit of both? You can make these personalized selections quickly and easily through the Macy's Wine Shop. What makes Macy's Wine Shop better than any other online wine club is that they deliver quality wines at unmatched price points, all within one to three business days. Seriously, I ordered my wine on a Monday and had already received them by that following Wednesday. And with our link, you get $50 off a six bottle box of Macy's award-winning wines, which is a $95 retail value. Head to the show notes of this episode to access the discount code, or you can head to our Instagram to find the link in our bio. Cheers. Okay, Mm. now that we've done that high school history lesson, (laughs) uh, why does it matter in relation to today's topic? I'm so glad you asked. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> you did ask that off air. People, you couldn't hear it. We yeah, I, I whispered it yeah. away from the mic. <laughs> <laughs> We're fast forwarding now to May 19th and 20th of 1856, which is not all that far removed from the passage of the Kansas-Nebraska Act. We are, you know, as this event is going on in the midst of bleeding Kansas right now. Mm-hmm. Charles Sumner, a 45-year-old senator from Massachusetts, gave a speech in the old Senate chamber, which was titled, the crimes against Kansas. Just to set the scene here and really put ourselves in this time and place in history, 
Imagine a super stuffy room. Apparently, it was roughly like 90 degrees yeah. inside the chambers that day. Uh-huh. It was overcrowded. And it had taken Sumner some two months of waiting before he could even get a chance to speak on the Senate floor. This guy's been building up for yeah. a long time. Yeah. His speech was 112 pages long. No. And he had memorized the whole thing. Okay. Well, that's impressive. <laughs> Okay, well, now that you said that, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, but that's too, like, let's, let's, let's do an real. abridged version here. Let's be real. It would take him a total of five hours over the course of two separate days to relay this whole speech. No. <sighs> that's, my sensibilities would not allow me to sit there and listen to Well, that. I mean, let's be honest. People that have the best intentions and are coming across with, like, a very thoroughly researched argument totally you lost me after max 15 minutes yeah max yeah no it's true it's 100 percent. that that's my that's my point mm-hmm. is like regardless of what you're talking about it can be something i completely agree with and of i'm course. passionate with about yes 112 page 100 and 100 pages in i'm already gone no. i'm not there anymore no, of course I, yeah i don't think he did himself any favors with that no i also know people that like have so many feelings that they need to be said and And this was a very hot topic Mm -hmm. i'm sure there was a lot to say it's just you know if you dive into like the the psychology of actually making a good argument and potentially even swaying an audience it needs to be short it has to be short and concise yeah (laughs) that's just the truth yep um, not that any of you are running to go do this, but you can read <laughs> the whole speech online. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but to sum it up, because we don't want to be here for five plus hours, Sumner basically said in his speech that the Kansas-Nebraska Act was horrible, that Kansas should be immediately admitted as a free state. And he talked total shit about the authors of the act, Stephen Douglas and Andrew Butler. In specific reference to Butler, he actually, in his speech, even made fun of him for his speech difficulties. <gasps> no. Which were the result of a stroke. No. You're he not al- helping yourself. Absolutely not. Uh, he also made a bit of a joke about Butler, saying that Butler had taken, quote, a mistress who, though ugly to others, is always lovely to him, though polluted in the sight of the world, is chaste in his sight. And then, after a little pause, added, I mean the harlot slavery, unquote. So I think he was kind of leading people on that like, yeah, his wife is super ugly. Um, and a or slut. his mistress is ugly and a slut. Whoops. Oh, you didn't understand? I was talking about the institution of slavery. His mistress, the institution of slavery. Exactly. To give you an idea of just how impassioned this speech was, here's a little bit of a longer quote from it, but still not that long. Quote, not in any common lust for power did this uncommon tragedy have its origin. It is the rape of a virgin territory, compelling it to the hateful embrace of slavery, and it may be clearly traced to a depraved desire for a new slave state, hideous offspring of such a crime in the hope of adding to the power of slavery in the national government, unquote. Mic drop. One person in the room at the time of the speech was particularly infuriated by it. This person was Preston Brooks, a representative from South Carolina. It is also worth mentioning that Brooks was a cousin of Butler's, so there's that familial relation there that's really motivating his anger. I should rephrase. I think that was adding fuel to the flame that was already there. I don't mean to say that he was, like, standing up for his cousin. And that's the only reason he did it. No, it was just, like, another a straw that broke the camel's back totally, or whatever. because he's upset about 
the idea uh, yeah. the idea of slavery not being extended right to other states particularly kansas yeah and also i'm mad that you slighted my cousin right Following this speech, Brooks talked with fellow South Carolina representative Lawrence M. Keat and told him that he planned to challenge Sumner to a duel. Mm -hmm. Keat told Brooks that Sumner wasn't deserving of the honor of a duel, to which Brooks agreed. And thus, Brooks came up with a new plan, a plan to publicly beat Sumner in the Senate chamber with a cane. I just... Okay, so I know you mentioned this in your intro, Mm -hmm. that like, we look at it now with like our scope of oh my god we've progressed so much we we would never do th- this type of thing now but like it w- even for that time like it was that's insane it is insane that's like a weird decision to make and it's not like oh in the heat of the moment he was mad and just did it and no, then he, he like blacked out like yeah he saw red and just did it no he mm-hmm. thought he up a plan to do it ahead of time and that's weird <laughs> I, yeah i like that phrasing it's weird that's it's- really weird and i understand that th- there's like more tensions than you and i can probably even comprehend sure. building around you know the subject of slavery and and what was happening in the united states at that time yes I, it's just, I can't comprehend No, it. of course not. Because it's not rational. It's, it, I feel like we had it's this illogical. conversation. I, I can't remember what episode it was, but it, we had I remember this, it was, uh, we talked about Vincent, Vincent Chin. Vincent Chin, where I'm like... The response to anger is not chasing someone down and, and killing them. Well, my thing is like, I could understand starting... I said this about, and I know we're all tired of hearing about Will Smith. Mm. I can understand standing up and starting to walk onto the stage to slap Chris Rock. But like halfway there, that was a long walk. It was a Half- long walk and it was a slow walk. Halfway there, I'd be like, what the f*** am I doing? Oh, holy f***. Like, what, do I, what do I do? I what do I do? Do I just like yeah. tell it? Do I whisper in his ear, f*** you, and then turn around? What do I do? Like, I can't yes. imagine being so heated and angry. It's like when someone cuts me off in traffic. Yeah, I yell, f*** you. Yes. Don't I don't go, go chase, chase them. them. Yeah. Yes. That's crazy. Same. I, I think you're talking like a rational, logical person here. <laughs> I just don't get it. I think you need to slow down. I need, uh, I think, right. I think it's what we do in every episode. We try to apply logic to an illogical situation. Yeah. This is illogical. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. And it's weird. It's crazy and weird. It's crazy and it's weird. Okay. Now, Brooks was certainly no stranger to violence. In fact, back when he was a student of what was then South Carolina College, he was expelled shortly before graduating when he threatened local law enforcement with firearms. He had also been involved in a prior duel with the eventual Texas Senator Louis T. Wigfall. This duel would result in a bullet to Brooks' hip, causing him to have to walk with a cane, Mm. hence where the cane came from. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he's like a great guy. Yeah, really thoughtful. Um, really even-tempered. Yeah. (laughs) Really logical and rational. Mm -hmm. Two days after his Crimes Against Kansas speech on May 22nd, Sumner was sitting writing at his desk in the Senate chamber. Brooks, who was accompanied by Keat and Henry A. Edmondson, a representative from Virginia, entered the chambers, ensuring that there were no women around to witness what was about to take place. How thoughtful. (laughs) Brooks approached Sumner and let him know that he had read his speech twice and he found it to be libel to not only his cousin, Andrew Butler, but to the state of South Carolina as a whole. Before Sumner could respond, Brooks picked up the metal-tipped walking cane he, that he had in his hand and struck him over the head with it. I just, when I heard this story, I always assumed it was literally like in the heat of the moment 
and he attacked him like after his speech or like yeah. during his speech premeditated but so, not just premeditated but then it's like two days later mm-hmm. and i would say even the reason that why i left the comment in there about how he made sure there were no women around to witness goes further to like this whole thing being planned it's yeah. just like i'm gonna wait for the proper scene and scenario and yeah. like he knew exactly what he was doing and the type of environment that he wanted it to be in and that's really creepy and he still thought it was a good idea and he still did it so many opportunities to not yeah and then he did who thinks this is a good idea um you will soon find not only did he think it was a great idea but the entire state of south carolina was right behind him yeah Sumner was hit so hard with this first blow that he was later quoted as saying, quote, I no longer saw my assailant nor any other person or object in the room. What I did afterwards was done almost unconsciously acting under the instincts of self-defense. Yeah. Unquote. Mm -hmm. The description that Brooks gave of this attack is really disgusting. Although the full event lasted only in about one minute, Brooks admitted to striking Sumner a total of approximately 30 times, saying, quote, every lick went where I intended it. For about the first five or six licks, he offered to make fight, but I plied him so rapidly that he did not touch me. Towards the last, he bellowed like a calf, unquote. So was he <sighs> intending to kill this person? I'm so glad you said that. Remember that. Okay. If there was intent to kill. Remember that for not too long. Because it seems like it. I just think it's so disgusting to say, like, to be proud, to be so proud of what you're doing. Every blow hit exactly where I meant for it to hit. And at the end, to to describe someone's anguish as bellowing like a calf is so disgusting. Yeah. Um, And I'm sure we'll get to this, but Mm -hmm. you kind of hinted at the entire state of South Carolina, Mm -hmm. like, boosted him up and praised him for this i have to believe that if he didn't have that support he probably wouldn't be making statements like Mm, that he would be more remorseful sounding yeah but because he had this like support of course it's like someone does something bad but they're praised for it yep of course then they're bolstered they're gonna be like oh yeah i did you know i think you're completely right about that yeah that was absolutely at play here the confidence that he was given by his constituents yeah now, as I'm sure you've seen with, I don't know, like tables at outdoor restaurants like Starbucks or something that keeps tables outside. Yeah. Uh, the, the individual desks in the Senate chamber were secure to the floor. Yeah. So I'm thinking of, you know, like at Starbucks or something, they have them like yeah, bolted down, right? yeah. bolted down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when Sumner fell to the ground under his desk, he was essentially stuck under there. Brooks continued to strike him over and over before Sumner was finally able to push the desk out of the floorboards, allowing him to stand up. Even after he stood, Brooks continued to beat him over and over. Even after the cane broke, Brooks continued to use the gold-tipped piece to strike at Sumner. Even after Sumner eventually fell unconscious, Brooks still continued to beat him. When other senators and representatives tried to break up the conflict, they were stopped by Keach, who was armed with a pistol. Others were eventually able to break in and stop the beatdown. Sumner was absolutely drenched in his own blood, and he was taken to receive medical attention, which ended up including the need of several stitches. I take back everything I said about this being a funny story. I thought thought about that halfway while I was reading that last paragraph. Like, halfway through, I was like, remember how she said it was humorous? (laughs) It's not. It's so bad. I I guess I didn't realize... How bad it was. I didn't realize the extent of it, and I didn't realize... I mean, I did know it was all building up to the Civil War. Mm -hmm. I did know that, and... 
I obviously I thought it happened during his speech, so it was just a heated mm-hmm. like in the moment attack. Mm-hmm. But it's everything about it is just gross, like mm-hmm. like premeditated gross, like. And I can remember, so I was a history major, so I obviously like we talked about this yeah. in my history classes. So I I probably had more than the average American students, yeah, knowledge of this incident. But even then, like as an adult in college, we didn't talk about it in the depth that I'm learning now. Yeah, like, I didn't. I I mean, it's violent regardless. You were beat with a cane in the Senate chambers. Yeah. Until doing this research today for this episode, I didn't. I didn't realize just how malicious it was yeah it's so bad brooks too would require medical attention oh poor guy (laughs) and it's kind of i mean should i say it's funny uh (sighs) how he injured himself was he actually hit his own right eye during the course of his own backswing Mm -hmm. Uh, but brooks and his buddies they would be able to easily walk out of the senate chambers without being apprehended in fact brooks would become an overnight hero amongst the southern states Supporters sent him replacement canes, one of which even contained an inscription which read, hit him again on it. In a public statement, a group of South Carolinians said of the attack, quote, you have put the senator from Massachusetts where he should be, unquote. Some located the broken pieces of the cane that had been used in the attack, and they actually made them into rings that they wore around their necks on chains to show their support of Brooks and his pro-slavery arguments. A Southern newspaper wrote, we trust other gentlemen will follow the example of Mr. Brooks. If need be, let us have a caning or cowhiding every day. In opposition, there were many that supported Sumner and the anti-slavery movement. Over the next several weeks, there would be rallies held in support of Sumner throughout New York, Massachusetts, Ohio, Michigan, and Rhode Island, which would be attended by thousands. More than a million copies of Sumner's Crimes Against Kansas speech would be distributed and read by Americans in the aftermath. Sumner would suffer such severe injuries from this attack that he would be plagued for the rest of his life with pain and PTSD. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can, I can imagine. Yes. It would take him three years to recover and return to the Senate chambers. I hope they gave him a standing ovation. It's actually, I like that you said that. Um, what they did do for him was really admirable. In a show of respect, Massachusetts continued to reelect Sumner to his seat, even though he could not physically fill it. And they left his desk empty in the Senate as a reminder to all about what had taken place on that awful day in May of 1856. Which actually really goes, I mean, that is, that's a sacrifice. They mm-hmm. essentially lost their voice in the Senate for three years right yeah i thought that was like such a moving part of this that they continue to reelect him to the seat yeah even when he wasn't there to to be the voice to be the representative of yeah. his community yeah wow brooks would face some consequences for his actions but not really <laughs> he would eventually be arrested and fined what is in today's money a little under nine thousand dollars but he would serve no time behind bars that doesn't make i know they were about to head into a war so i mean Maybe this was like the least of their worries, but that oh, just yeah. seems weird that he wasn't that he wasn't half. I mean, the the country was literally, literally divided. And that's what I'm saying is like, yeah. it, it probably was like, we have other shit we need yeah. to deal with. Yes. And he had so much support yeah. and so much backing from one half of that division. Yeah. In fact, a United States Congress investigation into the incident would determine that Brooks had not indeed intended 
to kill Sumner. Mm-hmm. Despite House attempts to expel Brooks, his district unanimously re-elected him as he knew would happen. Yeah. However, only one year later, when Brooks was only 37 years old, he would die an absolutely violent death as a result of croup. What's croup? That, like, they call it the barking cough, that really awful, like, respiratory illness, Mm -hmm. um, which in those days was, for the most part, a death sentence. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Karma's a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Brooks' buddies that had helped him carry out the horrendous attack on Sumner seemingly got away with it, too. Keat would be censured by the House, but was reelected to his seat within a month by his constituents. Keat would maintain a history of violent attacks in government buildings when he tried to choke a Republican representative on the House floor. What? Edmondson, as well, would remain in the House when an attempt to censure him failed. Despite there being virtually no consequence for the pro-slavery Democratic Party, there were some positive things to come from the caning of Charles Sumner for the anti-slavery Republican Party. This event galvanized Northerners, the Republican Party, and the anti-slavery movement as a whole. This all would eventually lead to a Republican victory in the 1860 presidential election with the election of Abraham Lincoln, which would usher in the Civil War and the eventual emancipation of enslaved Black Americans. When Sumner returned to the Senate after recovering from his injuries, he would become a major leader of radical Republicans, pushed Lincoln to not be too soft on the Southern states, and fought for equal voting rights for freed Black men during the Reconstruction era. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Hashtag History. All sources used to put together this episode can be found on our website at hashtaghistory-pod.com. Subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you use, share about us with your family and friends, and then give us a rate and review. And be sure to check us out on our socials. We are on Instagram at hashtag history underscore podcast. And we're also on TikTok now at hashtag history. And come join us on Patreon, where for as little as a dollar a month, You can help support our books and booze supply. You get access to behind-the-scenes content, weekly hashtag hangout episodes, and automatic 15% off all merchandise, and we mail you cards and stickers. You sure do. That's it. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You'll see when you're editing that I was recording like three seconds before you said start recording because I just hit record for no reason. But I clapped at the same time. Good. That's all that matters. All right. From Massachusetts, Charles, Charles, Charles. 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 (laughs) One of the funniest things I've ever said. Um, Okay. Charles Sumner, okay, I was laughing when I said it, and beat Senator from Massachusetts, Charles Sumner, nearly to death on the Senate floor. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag Charles. Been doing this for too long. Okay. Uh, Some levity and humor to go with, well, now I feel bad. I wanted to bring the Southern slates wanted slavery. Slates. Oh yeah, I did say that. Free straight. Oh my god. As a admit, admit. Oh my god.
Are you laughing at what I said or laughing about this? No, I was laughing about, I was looking at Stephen Douglas and I was like, how would she pronounce that wrong? Stephen. 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 Douglas. 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 You're not helping yourself. Absolutely Charles. <laughs> Charles, you're not helping yourself. Come on. With, ugh. as I'm sure you've seen in with, that makes perfect sense. I wrote that line last night really late. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, is there some sort of language I... thing that I'm not understanding? <laughs> no, it's not you. Okay. But wild story you go charles Char <laughs> <Go. laughs> mic drop that's it